Okay, folks, uh, welcome to another amazing interview with Raymond Keller on the Victor of Light radio show. Uh, check out my website, thepromiserevealed.com. Uh, we got a newsletter coming out and some amazing stuff. Uh, an article called Meet the Venusians will be out pretty soon. So let's get right back it, into it with Raymond. Uh, so, Raymond, um, we're talking about Lemuria on our last show. So, okay, folks, we're back with another uh, show on the Victor of Light Radio <clears throat> on bbsradiostation.com. I'd like to thank Don and Doug for having me on the show. And uh, as you know, uh, my website, The Promise Revealed, is open. I am making some progress there. I'm simplifying the website, and uh, we got lots of good stuff you'll hear in the break. Um, we've got, I'm taking people down to Peru and Bolivia in September. If you'd like to go, you can uh, check out my website or, or contact me on the contact pages there. Today we have a special show. Go back to the early days um, uh, from my time in Laguna Beach when I was with Dr. Fred Bell. I think it was uh, about 1978. I was 20 years old and I met Michael Legion and Frank Chile. Michael stayed at my house for some months and actually uh, tuned me into a lot of things. I kind of call it ET 101. Uh, he was a contactee. He's quite psychic and has had quite a few experiences and we'll uh, talk about him and how to contact him, and he does readings and stuff. He is very uh, uh, tuned in uh, to the brothers. He has a lot of lucid dreams and things, and a lot of his experiences aren't always relatable to the average person. And I myself am the same way. Some of my experiences were very difficult. I try to keep a very grounded approach, and so it was, uh, you know, I... I talked to Gabriel Green, who we're going to talk about here in a minute, and uh, I said, I said, Michael's got some really out there stories, and Gabriel said, no, Michael knows what he's talking about. So I definitely paid a lot more attention to Michael, and Michael has a tremendous uh, heart. He is a real, um, I don't know, I want to say he's like a knight. He has tremendous faith and loyalty to the mission of the Galactic Confederation, and the brothers and sisters, uh, you know, uh, from the solar councils and from Venus. And, um, you know, he's a real trooper. And uh, my other guest, who I had on my previous radio station once, was Frank Chile. Now, Frank Chile is one of the most positive <clears throat> and one of the most enthusiastic reporters of UFO phenomenon I've ever met. He's always so excited, so in, so enthralled, and so mesmerizing when he tells the stories. And he has so many stories and so much knowledge of so many different contactees. Uh, he personally knew George Van Tassel, the Venusian contactee of the Integraton. And another one that comes to mind to me that will probably talk a little bit about is Albert Coe, a contactee from the 20s, I think, or 30s. He'll clear that up when we meet him. And Frank uh, has a YouTube on a MUFON channel that you can check out. And on 
uh, actually on the MUFON channel has over 400,000 views and I think there's something similar on YouTube. So he has a tremendous uh, presentation and um, he introduced me to Raymond Keller and so you know for those of you who follow William Tompkins and Corey Good and Michael Sala, Frank Chili bought William Tompkins onto the scene. He introduced him to Jeff Rents. The information went out, and um, I think I introduced um, William Tompkins to Corey and Michael Sala, and they kind of got his information, met him, and researched it. Frank also introduced me to the gentleman that, if you've been following my show, Raymond Keller. So <clears throat> these two gentlemen are dear friends of mine from a long time ago, and we shared a lot of experiences at Gabriel Green. So <clears throat> excuse me. I'm going to ask you both to say hello and to introduce yourselves, and then I'm going to start off uh, with a question. So, Frank, how are you doing? I'm doing very, very well, uh, Rob. It's so nice to be on this program with you tonight and with uh, Michael. It's been a while since all three of us have been together, even on a conference call. Well, it's great. And, Michael, how are you doing? Very, very good. I'm planet Earth. <laughs> Michael, well, we're, we're in a uh, – uh, Michael's in a secret location, but uh, he's still doing wonderful work for the light. And uh, uh, I wanted to ask a question. Uh, Frank Chile, why don't you start and talk about our all three of us, our mutual friend Gabriel Green, and give a little bit of a history of what you know about him. And um, and then we'll ask uh, the same question, and maybe he can recount some memories of Michael of Gabriel Green. Frank, take it away. Thank you so very much. Uh, I began going out to uh, the high desert area with uh, Simon, my spiritual brother, and uh, we uh, met Gabriel Green. We've gotten his phone number and his address and began a series of sessions where we would go out there maybe two or three times a month. And Gabriel Green was the official photographer for the giant rock UFO conventions. And his home was almost like a museum. He had uh, books and manuscripts. He had motion picture footage of every one of the giant rock conventions uh, from the time Van Tassel started them to the time that they ended. He had... Uh, Photographs given to him by contactees. Bob Renault had given him a series of uh, 35 uh, photographs that were taken uh, on um, the, uh, uh, oh my gosh, um, the Tontone Planet. I think you had seen a copy of that uh, or said that, Rob, and I think Michael had as well. They were incredible photographs. You mean on the, on the planet Corendor? No, it's not on Corendor. It's on the Tonstone Planet. He's the record keeper of the galaxy. Okay. And uh, Gabe had asked him, is it possible to get photographs? And he asked his contact, who's one of the members of Crender, uh, if he could uh, have photographs taken. And he said, what would you like to have photographs of? And it brought up uh, Hatan. He said, is it possible to take photographs of the Tonstone Planet? Well, the records are kept. And the, uh, the star visitor said, Get a 35 millimeter camera, 35 millimeter camera, and several rolls of film, and uh, I will take photographs and bring them back to you. And he came back probably about, about maybe a week or two later, and he filed a series of 35 incredible uh, 35 millimeter still photographs of leaving the Earth, going out to the constellation where a time zone planet is, 
circling the planet that looks very similar to Earth, but it's all tree-covered. All the uh, land areas are heavily tree-covered, and there was only one area that there was no trees, and it's where the uh, building is. It's a ton, has records, and where he lives. And the craft lands right next to Tan's spacecraft, and there's a photograph of uh, spacecraft there. And then they come inside the house, and the house is very futuristic. Everything is white, and it looks like alabaster, the uh, futuristic uh, um, uh, uh, furniture in a home was really extraordinary. And from the ceiling, there was hanging like um, strings of like gold and silver. And there was a picture of Hatan's uh, uh, life mate. She was a female space being. She was wearing like a raspberry colored full length um, suit where the boots were incorporated into the, uh, her uniform. And she was, like, giving a tour of the property of the house, of Hatan's house. And they went into the dining room area, and there was a, an image of what Hatan likes to do in his spare time. He had taken um, and created a solar cross using rubies and gold and uh, had it framed, and it was on the, the wall of their uh, dining room. Just really incredible. I think and they I... showed photographs of his records room where it had all these television monitors all over the walls. And you could tune into every facet of activity anywhere in the galaxy. And all the records were stored digitally on something that looks similar to like a DVD today. There was no DVDs then or CDs. Yeah, that's interesting. I think I did see those images. If I remember, Hatan, uh, where he lived, was uh, it was a picture from like 50,000 feet of a planet. Uh, I mean, of an yeah. island. Was that correct? It was, they went around the planet first, and the planet was all tree-covered, and then they landed on this island that just had trees on it, and, of course, his home where the uh, records uh, library was. I don't remember seeing all of them, but I do remember uh, seeing the, the single space shoots, and it looked like a giant hangar with some large shelves. Well, that, you know, Bob Bernard is very famous, and I'd like to do a show with him. I, I talked to him once on the phone. But Gabe uh, definitely had an amazing series of contacts and stories. Um, yeah. Michael, tell us, uh, why don't you tell us some of your memories of Gabriel Green? How well, you... it was interesting. I don't remember exactly when I met him. I know it was in the late 70s. And uh, one of the things, he also channeled Ashtar, I remember a few times, came through him. And uh, one point, uh, which was kind of fascinating, when he took me in a, uh, some little trip in his car. Now, what was fascinating about that, and I didn't know it was unusual, but he's, when, he got, when he got in the car, all of a sudden all the lights in his car started flashing on and off. And he said, the higher forces were doing that because I was in the car. I don't know what that was about, but for like a whole half an hour to an hour, we drove in his car, and he said he had never experienced this before with the lights. He said it happened a few times, but not like what was going on that day. The lights get flashing on and off in his car. He said that was somehow significant because of the energetic connections that a lot of us have. That you know that just stood in my mind. It was just kind of fascinating. And I've been I was at this place a few times. Um, I'm just trying to remember. It's been so many years now. All the details of that. Now, those photos you were talking about, that's kind of odd because I, my memory was that Richard Miller 
at Cotton O's photos of Terminus Satan. And what you're describing sounds like Terminus Satan. And I remember the exact images you're describing, but I was at a meeting and a woman who belonged to the Solar Cross Foundation, she brought those same photos out and said that Richard Miller was the one who had tried to get uh, – now, that's what's kind of odd to me. I remember exactly the photos. And you're, you're describing that uh, Gary Buell Green had obtained them, and that's what's a little confusing to me. So, Well, actually, um, actually um, to be honest with you, I, I, I thought it was Richard Miller myself. So uh, perhaps yeah. you and I are right. It doesn't matter, but Gabe was a tremendous contactee and had many experiences. Right. And one of the things uh -huh. you, you said that often happened at Gabe's is when you would talk, lights would go on, TVs would turn on and off, a blender would start, mm -hmm. a picture would tilt. And this was uh, part of what I felt was um, the the identification process to realize that they're monitoring every conversation that you could have with Gabe and that uh, they were following and monitoring your thoughts and they would give small levels of psychic phenomenon to allow you to know that they're there and if you didn't get too obsessed or frightened with it it was kind of a playful way of uh, uh, talking to you without being a poltergeist or an unknown spirit it was literally a kind of contact uh, uh, Michael, do you remember uh, the story when that military guy came out and we had the contact in the desert? Frank was there. He did not get to go right. on the trip because Gabe's little car didn't fit us. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember uh, that basically what happened. Uh, it was just, he was, the guy was a little interesting because he, he cussed a lot and then he was trying to show how beyond our words, certain energy is what, you know, what was going on with the energetic things that we say and do. Um, then, so I, I don't remember all the details, but I just remember he was there. Uh, he felt he was supposed to be there to help because <clears throat> the imbalanced forces were trying to interfere with a lot of the activities that were going on. He was like a troubleshooter. Yeah, he actually, uh, uh, Gabriel called me before, and I think I told you guys we were going up there, but um, he said that Ascended Master Hilarion was sending him as a teacher to me. And that um, uh, when he got there, uh, he did that energetic thing, and he showed me uh, some phenomenon. And I don't know, do, uh, do you remember, Frank? I remember when I said, uh, what about the ships? And, he, and then he said to me, he said, well, you know, Rob, you've experienced them at Fred's house. The ships can settle into the building. And at that point, this golden light came down from the ceiling. Do either of you remember that? Yeah, I believe that, uh, yes, yes. As you're saying, it's indeed correct. Well, for me... It's interesting there... Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Michael. Well, I remember a very incredible experience with George Van Tassel. I got to know him a little bit. I actually went out there a few times, um, and, and I hung out with him a little bit. And he, you know, there's all story about in 1977 when he did that last conference, and Ashtar told me, when I heard about who was going to do the conference, that Ashtar told me they were getting ready to take him off the planet. I got that telepathically. And uh, so I go out there, and it's like he was – it was like he wasn't in his body. He was out of his body. And uh, so later on, I hear the story that George Van Tassel had – that they claimed the – you know, Doris put out the story that they were going to do a memorial service. And Asher says to me, "No, he's not really dead. That he's uh, that uh, 
that. And so they, I went to the memorial service, and I was when I walked in, here's this closed coffin, and and, and Joe Doris is acting like just business is normal, kinda. And we're all sitting there. And, uh, and George projects to me and says, I'm not really dead. And, uh, and then he says, I can't tell you now, but I'll tell you later. Now, I couldn't figure out what he was talking about. He wasn't in the coffin. They're well, claiming they're acting like his body's in the coffin. Well, let me, let me, we haven't talked, and it's funny you bring up that story, Michael, because I'm in closer yeah. contact with Frank. And, um, so, ladies and gentlemen, uh, through my friend Raymond Keller, who Raymond introduced me to, there are different types of ascension, and uh, I'll, I'll go through them real quickly. One is called translation, where you become young while you're uh, living on the earth in a normal body, and uh, like you have old teeth, and they can uh, fall out, and then baby teeth will grow, and you'll become progressively younger. And then you generally will ascend uh, to the next uh, planet, which is Venus. The next type of ascension is at death, and you will ascend uh, after death, and gent once again, generally to the next planet in the chain uh, of evolution within this solar system, which is Venus, not always. The third type of ascension is um, one where they take your DNA and clone you, and uh, download your memories, and you basically go to sleep and wake up in a new body and leave your human body behind. And the fourth type is you uh, actually ascend from probably anywhere in the galaxy on many different dimensions to the galactic central sun. Now, to go back to your story, Michael, which is amazing, and folks, this, con this confirms Michael Allegiant's psychic sensitivity and his communication level. It doesn't always interface well with the average person, but he's very sensitive. Frank Chili, please tell us the story <laughs> that you had uh, yep. when you went to Dolores' house and what you right. what you experienced and that confirms what Michael just said. This is going to blow Absolutely. your mind. Absolutely. I was going to say that. This will confirm exactly what Michael said. My brother Simon was uh, um, prompted to go up to the Integratron. He was an architect. And he wanted to use his skills to help design the, uh, they would have the College of Universal Wisdom out there. They were going to have an observatory. So Simon moved out there before I got out there. And he started working with Doris and working on some designs. And of course, uh, uh, George had happened to pass. And, uh, I was living in Southern California and Simon said, can you come out for the weekend? He said, there's something unusual going on out here. So I said, sure. So I was married at the time. I asked my wife if I, she didn't mind if I got away for the weekend with Simon and went to the Integratron. She says, no, go ahead. I did. So that night, that Friday night, uh, Doris made us dinner. After dinner, she gave both Simon and I a chiropractic massage. She was a chiropractor. And she said, uh, I'm going to go to bed now. And she said, uh, be very careful. Uh, sometimes people come out of the desert at nighttime and knock on the door. She said, be very careful who you let into the house. So Simon and I had our bedrolls, and we put it out in the living room, and uh, she went into her bedroom, and Simon and I were talking until about maybe maybe about 12.30 in the morning, and uh, she had a beautiful bow window that looked out into the desert, out towards Ghost Mountain, and now towards the Integratron. And Simon and I are talking, and all of a sudden, the room is bathed in this incredible white light, and Simon and I are immobilized. We couldn't move. We were still awake. Our eyes were open. We could hear, but we just couldn't move in our bedroll. So we heard the back door of the uh, kitchen open, 
the door closed weird. Somebody walked through the kitchen to the bedroom door, knock on the door, and then open the bedroom door. Then the door closed, and we heard voices. And Doris was talking to someone for about probably maybe about 10, maybe 15 minutes. And again, Simon and I are both awake, but we can't move. Then we heard the door open. We heard the door close behind the person. We heard walking across the kitchen. We heard the back door open. The back door closes. And in about a minute, there's this blinding white light again. It fills the living room. And Simon and I can move around after that. We said, holy God, what did we just experience? Hey, Frank, so um, I'm going to interrupt you for just a second uh, while we uh, hear uh, from a message from our sponsor, which is me. Take it away. Okay, folks, we're back. Uh, Frank, continue with that story and uh, tell us, <laughs> my goodness, uh, uh, well, what happened. Well, wait to hear this. is really incredible. So uh, Simon and I are so jazzed, we wanted to go knock on Doris's door and ask her what we had just experienced, but we figured it's best to wait till morning. So Simon and I chatted for about another 45 minutes, and then he went to sleep. And it was now about maybe 2 o'clock in the morning, and I heard a knock on the front door. So... I walk over to the front door, and I open it, and there's a screen there, and there's a wooden porch outside, and I look, and there's nobody there. So I, got on the, I went out on the porch. It was a beautiful night sky. There was no moon, but the stars were just incredible. You could see the Milky Way. So I'm looking uh, towards the east, and all of a sudden, I see two lights on the horizon, and they come up, and they fly over the top of the house, and they go from east to west. Then I see two lights. Uh, to the right of me, and two lights from the horizon go over the house from the south. It's like they formed a cross over the house. And I thought, wow, that's really uh, quite a significant uh, uh, occurrence. So I finally went back to sleep, and in the morning, Doris opened the door. She came out, and she said we had a visitor last night. And we said, Doris, what happened? And she said, Did you, you were not uh, injured at all, were you? And I said, no. We said there was a blinding light of flash flash of light. And Simon and I were immobilized in her bedroom. She said, they immobilized you and Simon, but they allowed you to be awake so you could hear what was happening. She said it was one of the star beings that came and brought me a message from George. And she said, George did not die. The body that was buried was an android body. And she said, George was upstairs working with our friends. And she said, I knew a week before he was, before he passed, that it was not his body. She said, every time I touched him, his body was cold as ice, and George was always very, very warm-blooded. So she said, they brought her a message about George, and she said, you folks happened to be here when that occurred. So you got the benefit of knowing that we did have a visit, and they told her about the two lights, the knock on the door, and the two lights uh, coming from east to west and then north to south over the house, and she just smiled. Well, that's it was a just a wonderful confirmation of what you had gotten, Michael, that he did not well, die. He was taken care another- well, that's, that's interesting, but there's another part to the story that's even more incredible. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. If you want to hear it. Now, yeah. I part of what I heard, because Astor is telling me that they had to take him up because the government did not want him, the cabal did not want him to complete the integration. He was 99% completed. And yep. he was in the dilemma because they were the black ops are hiding up in the hills, and they threatened him that they would off his family. If he went ahead and finished the final 1% completing tech return. So he's in a dilemma. So he, he wants to bring it out. Well, I also heard that at one point, while, you know, he was gone, the, uh, you know, because, you know, George was very devoted to his wife, uh, Doris, very loved her. 
but he would sometimes, you know, just very friendly flirt with the ladies a little bit. Nothing serious, but there was kind of this joke about, oh, there's George flirting with the ladies, but it was not a serious thing. It was just kind of a little humorous joke thing. And so one day, after he had been taken, uh, Doris hears a knock at, on the door there, and she opens it up, and there's see three gorgeous, they look like off-duty Earth models, but they were dressed in jumpsuits, and they said to her, oh, we have to take George with us because <laughs> George has work to do. And she almost fell over. She was just so, and, and they said, uh, and, they, and they said to her, now, you're going to have to come up with a cover story here because of the circumstances of the government threatening and everything. And that's why she went ahead and went along with the story about him supposedly dying because it would sound too strange about the whole thing. So going back to me, I wanted, when I was at the, at the end of the moral service, I had to leave that day. And I wish I could have stayed. And I remember George saying to me when he projected to me, You're, I can't tell you now, but you'll know about it later. Well, we have to project forward several years after I moved to Arizona. Scottsdale, I would do these round robin channelings where I'd invite 30, 40 people by invitation, personal invitation. And one day I was just, uh, I have to tell this story because it's part of finding out what George, what happened. Uh, I was going around uh, putting up flyers and I pulled into this one parking lot of what used to be a, uh, a newsstand. It's not there any longer, but it used to be. And as I pulled up into the parking lot, I see this guy leaning against a car. Unbeknownst to me, he had just take, gone off an interstate and had met with Doris Van Tassel. Now, this is in the, in the late 80s when she was still alive. And she had told him this story and said to him, you're supposed to go to Arizona and share this with somebody. I don't know who, but you'll know who it is. So he had just pulled off an interstate and drove like six hours to get there. He's standing there by the car, and I had just drove up into the parking lot. He, and I see him, and I hear my friends upstairs say, invite him to the channeling that evening. I, okay, I'm just following my guidance. And I walk up to him, and I thought, this is going to be kind of strange. So I said to the dude, I said, are you into <laughs> UFO? His eyes perked up. He said, yeah. Now, he didn't tell me at first what he knew, but he comes that evening to the channeling. Monka, the space brother Monk, is channeling through me. And at the end, he turns to the guy and starts talking about George Van Tassel in depth. And I went, George couldn't finish the Tecraton. At the end of the channeling, I come back. He says, well, I got a story to tell you. And that's when he tells me the story about Doris Van Tassel because, in the other part of the story. And, uh, and then at, at one point, you know, they had this piece when, when, when she had guests from out of town at the end of the memorial service that evening and everything, and they were in sleeping bags and stuff, and, and they had all turned off the lights to go to sleep. They heard this loud pinging sound, very loud. They turned on the lights. They couldn't figure out what it was. Well, they didn't get close enough at the piece of petrified wood in the, in the fireplace there. And, they re and suddenly there's this perfect heart that is in the piece of petrified wood. You know how hard petrified wood is. Well, the pinging sound was the sound of the laser from the ship coming down to do that for her, to say to Doris, I really love you. A year to that day, the second heart appeared. Wow. Well, that's very interesting. It's amazing stuff. Uh, did we lose you, yeah. Michael? Yeah. So. Um, no, I'm still here. Okay, good. So, folks, um, you know, we're, we're telling some uh, pretty – I won't say insider stories, but for most of you, these are going to be hard to believe. But uh, all of us have over uh, 40 years of direct contact experiences with very 
close friends who are face-to-face -face contactees with multiple contacts of different beings. Uh, so these stories for us are, are, are uh, pretty similar. I, I thought it was kind of cool that Michael talked about that. You backed it up, Frank. And folks, we didn't plan this. Michael didn't know this story uh, about Frank, or if he did, um, uh, it wasn't planned for the show. So there's some amazing no. stuff here. I, I'd like to um, uh, talk could about... I add one thing, uh, could I add one thing, Rob? Sure, sure. Uh, Garth did indeed tell us what, what Michael said to validate what Michael said. She said there were FBI agents that were on Goat Mountain that would spy on them with high-power binoculars. And uh, it was through Gabe, Simon and I got a chance to meet, uh, uh, my gosh, the, the um, Daniel Boone, the direct descendant of uh, the pioneer Daniel Boone, who married one of the Van Tassel's daughters. He was given the final wiring diagram, the copper wiring diagram that he committed to memory, that when it was time, when the time was right, that he would finish the Negrotron. And Simon and I would go out and visit him at his home in Landers. He lived in Landers, not too far from where the Negrotron was. And he would give us incredible stories, too. Yeah. Um, Norm Paulson was also, he was one of Yogananda's disciples. He used to do weights and was one of the uh, youngsters pictured in the book at Encinitas in yoga position. And uh, he ended up leaving Yogananda's ashram right before Yogananda uh, you know, uh, had a conscious exit of his body. And he told uh, Norm and wrote, Norm wrote an amazing book called Return of the Ancients, where he was taken up into the New Jerusalem which is a seven-tiered ship, a pretty amazing story. I recommend yeah. it's been changed now to the a book called Christ Consciousness, The Pure Self Within. They took out some of the UFO stuff because they didn't like the UFO people coming around the, the center. But if you can get that book. It's pretty amazing. Now, I it's a very rare book. Yeah, they, it's a very rare book. Yeah, they took um, the DNA and uh, made a clone body. So, Michael, there was a body there, but you're right. It, it wasn't really him. The other thing, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Raymond Keller showed me a picture of George Adamski after he died, and he had been uh, made younger to about mid-40s. And he has that in his archives. It was uh, uh, two months after George Adamski officially died, and there was a guy that looked just like him, uh, uh, lecturing in England on UFO contacts under a pseudonym. Anyway, so let's go back to a friend of Fred Bell's um, uh, named Kim Hill and whose mother, I forget her name, but they were... Triana. Triana is what, that's not a real name, but that's what she called herself. And they were quite um, spiritually connected and Kim Hill is still around and I have pictures of her and uh, Fred's Indian guru and a guy named Alan from way back when. And we used to go to some channelings together. Before we go into the story of Bonnie from the Other Earth, who actually revealed her true name eventually here in Mount Shasta in the 90s as Sharula, let's talk about Nine Shanine. Do you all remember the channelings that we went to with him? Now, folks, as you know, I'm not really into the channelings, but... Um, this guy was the real deal. Uh, they kind of took over his body. His voice was metallic. And they utilized this in smaller settings. Uh, why don't you share, uh, maybe, Michael, why don't you talk first 
about Nine Shanine and what you remember. I don't remember if you remember this particular. About the, the black dude, African American dude. Yes, 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 ma'am. That's yeah. That's well, a joke. I felt really connected with him. Uh, he had a. I remember him because he was channeling some of the same beings that I was connecting with. And in fact, it was through him that I was reintroduced to a Rokon who was coming through him. Rokon is this galactic artist who kind of reminds me of uh, a famous entertainer. Um, um, God, I can't think of him right now. He was very flamboyant. He dresses in this long robe, and he was a, he's a cosmic, uh, you know, cultural exchange officer. Rokon was his name, and he's very flamboyant and everything. Uh, so he was just he was just very interesting. I felt I felt really connected as a spiritual brother to him, and he had a he had a lot of interesting experience where we were in the car in his van, and he'd be channeling the beings. Oh yeah, there's an interesting experience when we went out. This is in '77, around the time I was connecting a lot with George Van Tassel. Uh, we were on this way out, Bill Hamilton. You know, we went out to this place to have this meeting, and and uh, the lady who was a walk-in, what's her name? Uh, Valerie, who was channeling, who had brought the Nikola Tesla technology, well, she had been um, recruited by the CIA uh, as a psychic agent against KGB espionage going on. And so I'm in Ron Rowan's van, and we're driving along, and all of a sudden, and I look up, I'm looking outside the van up in the sky, and I see this airplane flying around. And I heard them say to me, telepathically, that that was a CIA plane. I turned around. Now, I didn't say anything outwardly. I turned around. All of a sudden, he starts channeling, and they come through him, and he goes verbally, yes, that's a CIA plane. <laughs> and then I look back up the window, uh, and it's only been a few moments. I look back. I don't see the plane where it was. But off in the distance where there had been no plane was a, was a plane. And, I, and then all of a sudden, now Ron doesn't know what's going on. I turn back toward Ron, and they channel through him again. Yes, we just teleported the plane across the sky. Okay, okay, so this is Ron Owens was his name. I knew him as his kind of uh, spiritual name is Nine Shanine. Well, Ron Owens was his earth name, but Nine Shanine was a spiritual Syrian name. Oh, oh okay, well, that's interesting. Uh, Frank, why don't you share, do you remember Kim Hill, Fred, you, me, uh, um, Michael, Gabe was there, and uh, I remember his Adam's apple going up and down. His eyes were rolling back in his head, and he was, uh, as I remember, uh, as a side note, you can maybe comment on this, Frank, after you tell your memories, but I guess he, he wasn't really sure of, uh, because he wasn't really aware of, they were using his body, he wasn't really conscious, but he was a very clear channel. And one of the interesting things that I remember from this one channeling, I forget where it was, but uh, there was a girl there who we didn't know who was silent, and she was uh, Chinese, and she sat real silent, and everyone got a message. And then they went to her, and they called her by her spiritual name, and they said, go to the third mountain, which you know, from and meet uh, five days after your coming birthday, and we will hand you the plans. And you are to give them to the scientists, and they said a name. And as soon as she got her message, without a word, she got up and left. So basically, they were using him to communicate to an Earth-based, we would might call him a resistance member or a contactee, 
who was going to take some hand-delivered documents and give them to uh, a high-end scientist, and the name sounded like he was in uh, Europe. Uh, do you remember that, Frank? And why don't you tell your story about Ron Owens, Nine Shanine, and what you remember, if you remember that particular channel? I, I don't remember that person's name. I was wondering, is, is, uh, is he still with us? Is Nine still alive? I don't well, know. I don't know. I just, you know, he was the one that uh, I was with him hours before they physically took me up when the cabal killed me psychotronically. He was the one I was in his van, and I, you know, was a, so I just remember him being very significant as a, you know. Oh, you don't remember that, Frank. Anyway, he was a very interesting guy. I remember I had heard, you know, I've seen different channels, but this guy. Uh, his eyes rolled way back in his head. His head kind of bobbed around. Oh, no, I remember that. I remember that. I remember oh, okay. going over to uh, Trina Hill's house, and I brought a book that uh, two friends of mine had worked on called Beauty Unknown. It was Roberta Herzog and her, her husband, Nikki. Nikki channeled the messages of these beings, and Roberta painted their, their uh, images. And it was her first uh, work doing psychic uh, or, psychic or spirits uh, uh, artwork. So I brought the book over and I showed it to nine and I opened it up and he started hyperventilating and then start channeling that these are indeed real things and these are real messages from the Star Brothers. Yeah, he was pretty, uh, well, he held his hand up and he put his fingers, uh, all of them in a point and he kind of, yep. he kind of used it like a, a, kind of a monitoring antenna. It was very interesting. Speaking of some uh, very interesting, since we're kind of getting into the channeling here, uh, and we've been talking about Giant Rock, and ladies and gentlemen, um, I'm not going to, uh, I don't know how many people are going to listen to this show eventually, but if you're interested, uh, you send me an email, and I'm not going to announce it on the show, but you can go to my website, The Promise Revealed, under contact, um, and I will if you send me an email requesting Giant Rock book, I will send you an amazing compilation of all the photographs from the uh, 1950s of Giant Rock uh, that were are very clear and amazing photographs. Dr. Frank Strange's, Calvin Gurren, Daniel Fry, George Adamski, Truman Bethram, uh, uh, even... Uh, Commander Aurora Rains, who was the spaceship commander, uh, or she's the commander of the moon base Clarion, and there's pictures of her at Giant Rock, and also there's a picture from when Raymond Keller uh, crash-landed in his time travel in 1954. That's another story. But let's talk about Bob Short. Because that's where we went, Michael. If you remember, we left in Gabe's car with the military guy. And um, the military guy was in the back with me. And he was saying, turn left here, turn there. And I said, "Do you, are they telling you where to go? Because he would say, go 2.2 miles and then we're going to make a right. And I was looking at the odometer. And when I saw that his his uh, reading was exact, I said, are they telling you? Because you got to tell me exactly where, do you, where we're going. I said, do you know where we're going? He says, no, not yet. So we get to the end of the of the drive, and he says, Gabe, you should know where we are. And he said, well, that's Bob Shorts over there. And I don't know if you remember, but all four of us got out of Gabe's little car. I for, forget what it was. 
it was it was like a it seemed like a 1960s car but um we're standing around kicking our shoes and he said but, but bob short is on he's out of the country somewhere uh he's not home and uh, all of a sudden a, a car pulls up and it's bill hamilton who bob said he could spend the night we talked with bill telling us about a contactee of some pleiadians for a few minutes then he took us over the hill and you may have been blocked from this memory, Michael. I've had it too. But the spaceship landed 20 feet in front of us. Do you remember that? You know, you mentioned that before. And for some weird reason, I do not consciously remember that part of the experience. Anyway, I, I understand because I've had those blank outs from these experiences too. But I remember uh, I had this telepathic communication. I believe it was Semyasi actually. And, uh, and uh, I said... I had asked her some questions. I was crying and I was having a communication. It was just kind of glowing there in an orangish, kind of reddish glow. And um, I said, Will you come out and land? And she goes, uh, No, you'd think you're the Messiah. And I kind of laughed and I said, Okay. And then the military guy, who was obviously telepathic and following this conversation, said to me, says, Have you seen enough? And I said, uh, um, I said, yeah, and so we could go. So him and I started walking away, and I remember you shouted, where are you going? The, sp it's, the spaceship's right there. And I turned around, and I said, she's, she's not coming out, and it blinked out. But let's talk about uh, one of the Gabe's channelings. And uh, uh, do you remember, uh, I think, uh, Frank, you, you went with me once, uh, and we were there. And he was really loud. Or maybe you can share your experience, Frank, of, uh, of Bob. But before we get to your experience at Bob Short's house, who now lives in Cornwall, Arizona, one of the most amazing channelers from the early days at Giant Rock. For those of you who are not following, Giant Rock is where George Van Tassel had an airport and where the Venusians choose to anchor their many, many contactees uh, very near Palomar with George Adamski in the 50s, and there was a tremendous conventions, and you can see those if you email me. I'll send you the free book. Now, uh, we're going to get right back to this in a minute. We're going to have a break from our sponsor. Once again, that's me. Thank you very much. And we're back, folks. Let's go right into Frank Chili's uh, story of what you remember about Bob Short and his channelings and why don't you share a little bit of those stories uh, Frank and then well, we'll I remember I remember Gabe taking Simon and I over to Bob's house and of course he had the uh, newsletter the Blue, Blue Rose Ministry and he would channel the uh, individuals that uh, Richard Miller wrote about in Star Wars and uh, talk about rare books that's really a rare book too and Richard Miller's still alive believe it or not in his uh, early 80s, he's living in Northern California. Do you have a contact for him, Frank? I have address. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to um, talk to you after I'll, the I'll show. Share with you. I'll share yeah, with you. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm going down there uh, this week then uh, before I go to Michigan. Um, uh, so, okay, let's go ahead with the Bob Short story. Yes, he would channel the, uh, the uh, star visitors that, uh, you know, it's uh, Richard Miller had uh, written about, and, you know, we're talking about Manka and, and uh, Hassan and Horton, and they were just beautiful, beautiful channel messages. They were really clear, and his voice was so strong and so vibrant. I mean, always incredible experiences. And sometimes we'd just be there talking to him, standing up, and 
a channel message would come through for either Gabe or, or Simon or perhaps myself. And it were just validations, incredible validations. Yeah, uh, how about you, Michael? Do you have any uh, personal experiences? Remember uh, Bob Short of the channeling, you being a channeler yourself, he must have been quite an impression. Well, it was interesting. When, when I arrived there, I think when I first arrived at, at uh, Bob Short's, I had it was something that was confirmation for me about him channeling because I had gotten involved in the what was it, the Morgan deck of tarot cards. And there's a card in there called where you know the higher forces have a sense of humor, and it's described as tee hee ha ha. And they did that, so I just was looking at it, and, and for some reason he starts going tee hee ha ha. <laughs> which was, he kind of laughed and everything. And I just thought it stood in my mind because how, who would have known that kind of, you know, the Morgan deck was always looking. I had just been introduced to it and that card stood out because the forces have this great sense of humor as serious as they are about, you know, getting rid of the cabal and all that stuff. But it just was kind of interesting that he, he said that when I walked into the room specifically, he was doing that or they were coming through him to uh, confirm to me about, I forgot what it was, but there were some things happening in my life at the time that uh, was a confirmation recent he did. And I can't, I don't remember all the details, but that was kind of my introduction to Bob Short. Yeah, he was great. Well, I remember, folks, uh, uh, I would go there with a friend of mine. And, you know, I, I was kind of in, I was taking some people there. I said, this guy's an amazing channel. And one of the things is he, that Bob used to shout. I mean, it was intense. And um, so... Um, I was there with a, a friend of mine whose daughter, and she's got to be 27. She's a lawyer now, but she um, is was running around rampant, and I was thinking, oh, my God, she's going to interrupt the channeling. And um, and I talked to um, um, his wife. Uh, I'm trying to remember her name. Uh, uh, Barbara, maybe, but... Anyway, uh, I just talked to her like a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember. But anyway, I said, you know, and she goes, don't worry about it. And sure enough, when Bob sat down and he does this meditation and then he does the uh, uh, kind of not the Lord's Prayer, but yay, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. He did that and right when he got settled in to do his channeling, the girl just literally dropped like a sack of potatoes and fell asleep. <laughs> it was amazing. Then um, I've had several channelings with him through the last few years. I was going to have him come to Mount Shasta for my From Venus with Love conference, but uh, they're both going through, uh, you know, some illnesses. And uh, God, God bless them. They've had a tremendous life of service. And they told me they actually were taken to Venus as well and had their uh, first experience together. Uh, when they flew there for a day and came back to kind of guarantee. But he was a very loud channel, folks. He would shout. In fact, while he was giving readings, I would go into the kitchen and uh, listen. You could hear him like he was talking to you there. It would just take the edge off of the volume uh, of his channeling. So um, we're getting to the point. It's 46 minutes. We can go to 57 minutes here, guys. So we've got 13 minutes. Michael, I'd like uh, you to share if you have an email address or a phone number. If people are interested to contact you, I know that uh, you know you've been going through some uh, uh, transitions in your life, and 
maybe some people might be interested in getting a reading from you. Do you have a website where people can go? Well, unfortunately, the website is right now temporarily down for a few months. I, I don't want to go into all the reasons, but it's got, you know, eventually I'll get it back up. But if they want to contact me about my transformational channel readings, uh, and I'm about to do some email blasts. If they want to get on the email list, I'll be glad to put their email on that. But the email that they can contact me uh, is, uh, you can go ahead and write this down. Uh, the email address for them to contact me is info, you know, I-N-F-O, and then the at sign, info at my first and last name dot com. So it's info at and then Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, and then the last name is spelled E-L-L-E-G-I-O-N, Elijon.com. Info at michaelalesian.com. There you go, folks. And, uh -huh. uh, Frank, I know you're uh, speaking. And I'm going to Michigan this next week uh, for a conference. By the time this show comes out, it will have passed. But this show will probably come out before your conference in Michigan. Um, and I spoke to Deb Rosen today. I saw your email. And so I might be appearing there next year. I kind of filled her in. But why don't you? Uh, they're, they're nice folks. They're really nice folks. Tell them about uh, how to find it. I, it's called UFOCon in Michigan in September 21st and 22nd. Uh, I'm going to pull it up right now. It's September. It's called Michigan UFO Contact 2. Contact 2. Okay. And the website for that is Michigan UFO Con C O N dot com. And the dates are September or Friday, September twentieth and Saturday, September twenty first. Okay. So that's uh and it's Houghton Lake, Michigan. Houghton Lake, Michigan. Do you have any uh other uh uh speaking engagements coming up, uh Frank? No, that's it for for right now. All right, well, Some other radio shows, but that's the only uh, uh, public speaking uh, event that I have right now. Yeah, folks, and if you're if you listen to Jeff Rents, uh, Frank brings a lot of high end uh, uh, guests to Jeff Rents, who's very open to the subject, and uh, I, I like to poach them. At, uh, so always uh, keep me in the loop when you got some uh, hot new interviewee for my show. I have a couple of them that I want to steer your way. Uh, one of them is uh, James Martinez. He's the fellow I think I believe I told you. He and his friend bought Gabriel Green's entire collection of UFO material. Yeah. They had it all in a storage facility. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, uh, well, I, I know one guy, uh, I know the family took a bunch of it. Uh, uh, it went to uh, some somebody who uh, the the wife was related to the to the, the Mellon family. Whatever. And, and the, the husband is dead, and the wife and, will not let James get anywhere yeah, near. Yeah, okay, so that's dead. Uh, I do know Gabriel Green's part of his library was sent to the Rogue Valley Metaphysical Library in Oregon here near Ashland. And I've actually opened okay. up a book that said Gabe's name on it. So um, I told uh, Andrew Keller about it. So uh, let's see. We've got a couple minutes here. Um, um do you want me to give my uh, email address, Rob? Sure. If people want to get a hold of Frank Chili, you can do so at? Frank Chili, my name, F-R-A-N-K-C-H-I-L-L-E, -L -L -E, no space, no dot, at hotmail.com. There you go, folks. And uh, we're all available to come and speak at conferences, depending on where we're at. We're not high maintenance, but uh, 
you know, we generally need a little bit of uh, help with uh, uh, transportation and lodging, but, um, I, you know, um, if you're open, um, I'm also uh, have prepared a document called Meet the Venusians, and um, we're, I'm going to make that a newsletter, so um, if you haven't subscribed to my uh, email newsletter, do so very quickly. Uh, you may get in on the next one. It will also be a blog on my website, but I'm going to be sending that out soon. I haven't done a, a newsletter in a long time, so that's coming up soon. So uh, let's see. Um, we've got about six minutes left. Uh, I'm going to give you three minutes, Frank, uh, if you want to talk about some short, sweet story. And then, Michael, if you have something else, if you want to comment on his story or uh, maybe tell your own little closing story, that would be great. Well, I have a little story that uh, Daniel Boone shared with Simon and I, and he said that uh, one day when he was uh, collecting debris after a work day at the Integratron, he said there were three young fellows. One of them was sitting on the uh, the uh, uh, bed of uh, uh, the hatch of uh, Van Tassel's uh, pickup truck, and he had a piece of copper wire. And Daniel went over to it, and he said he saw the guy uh, configure this in a very unusual shape. And the fellow said to Daniel, touch the end of it and tell me what it feels like. So Daniel touched it and he said, it feels hot. And he said, yes. He says, anything that uses the uh, destructive use of energy generates heat. And he said, watch this. And he straightened out the copper coil, made it straight again, and he reconfigured it. And he said, now touch the end of it and tell me how it feels. So it's a completely different configurated shape. He touched it. He said, it's ice cold. And the fellow said to him, Remember this, anything that generates cold is a constructive use of energy. You want a constructive use of energy, not a destructive use of energy. So Daniel looked at him, and he had this bag of trash. He was going to take over to the fire pit to uh, dump it in there. And he walks away, comes back about five minutes later, and all three guys are gone. And Daniel says to George, he said, who are those guys who were right here? He said, where did they go? And George said, they left. And he says, what do you mean they left? There's no other vehicles here. He said they were visitors. Of course. They came down from upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, folks, I can tell you, there's another thing, another time, and Michael was there, and uh, he doesn't remember this, and at the time he actually denied it, but he wasn't in on the conversation. We're at Gabe's house. Uh, Michael and I were there. I think we're in my car, and I said uh, I was talking to Gabe. I go, well, so what do they wear when they're here, and what is it like? And he goes, and he said, you know, they were really into the fifties. And I go, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, he said they like the jeans, the ducktails, their hair pulled back, the whole nine yards. And I go, wow, that's pretty cool. So Michael and I, uh, I don't know if he remembers, but we went down to, uh, down the road and we went to, and I've had several experiences with Gabe at these 7-Elevens or TikToks as they used to be called in California. It's like uh, Stop and Go or these small little mini markets. And Michael and I went in, and all of a sudden, up pulls a baby blue, mint-conditioned, 57 uh, Chevrolet convertible, blue and white, and three girls, bobby soxers, with little penny, you know, like the little saddle shoes, black and white, with their hair and pigtails and ponytails, um, um, sitting on the back and two guys in the front. One guy stayed in the car, another guy, and all girls got out. And they all kind of came in and ran around and up and down the aisles with this vibrant, youthful energy. They were about 
our age. We, you know, we back then we were in our twenties, Michael, and uh, this guy and I, because I had just talked to Gabe about this, and I said, Michael, that's that's some of them, and he goes, What? No. <laughs> and then uh, the guy got in front of me in the line. He ordered a pack of cigarettes, Lucky Strikes, without filters. And he got them, and I telepathically said to him, I said, you're not going to fool me. I know you guys don't smoke. And he got the cigarettes. He asked for some matches. And then he looked at me, and I telepathed that to him, and he took the cigarettes, and he started pounding them on the counter. You know how they pound the cigarettes to, to pack them or whatever? He was, like, over dramatic with it. The girls were getting back in the car, um, and he looked at me like he was going to open them, and he just kind of tilted his head, and he rolled it up in his, his uh, shirt sleeve like uh, Fonzie or something in Happy Days. So... Uh, they are young and they're uh, they're around and they're here all the time, folks. We just don't notice them, and they'll as you tune in, they'll let you know. Michael, do you have one final story? Well, this is kind of related to Gabe, um, and uh, well, it's connected with briefly when I what after I had been in Oregon for a while, in nineteen, and after I came down, you know, back in nineteen eighty. Uh, I connected with this guy who was a security guard on a movie set. Now, the reason I'm bringing because he would always ask me as we were going along the road, uh, drive to, for me to tune in to different people, different uh, cars who was in there. And all of a sudden, I tuned in that there were these physical extraterrestrials, uh, you know, in this car. And, they, and, and, and the woman was behind us, and I just kept tuning that in, and that she was an incognito, you know, person. And so... I picked up that she was getting ready to go back to our tourists. That's what I was picking up. So a month later, the guy's out visiting Gabriel Green and is on his property. And all of a sudden, he gets this intense flash. He sees the bee, the same woman dressed in a jumpsuit, and she says goodbye. And there's this gigantic flash. And they go, and he, and then he said they went into hyperdrive at that moment. So I just, just a little story. Wow, that's interesting. So. Who was this guy, and what he was always asking you to tune into other cars? Well, yeah, when well, he had picked up because he saw me describe different things psychically that he was aware of that we just verified what I was tuning into, and so he would ask me, "What do you pick up on this person? What do you pick up on that person?" I got a little tired of it, but so one day we're driving along, and this oh yeah, this now I remember the car went by us. It was a it went, I thought it was in the back, and I remember it more clearly. They were in front of me, and like she turns around looking at us. And I could pick her up, pick up that she was picking, asking them upstairs who I was because of, of me being, I guess, very attentive. And I picked up that she was getting this transmission thing that I was a volunteer in Earth Embodiment. And that, but in that, but then she says to me that then she was with her husband. He was off the ship also. I think they had a child with them. It was a whole family, AT. And she said they were getting ready in about a month to go to Arcturus. And then okay. I didn't think about it. Yeah, right. and the month later, he's, he's out at Gabriel Green's, and she he sees the image of her as they go into hyperdrive. Well, that that's very cool. Folks, we're at the end of our show. Michael and Frank, can we do this again? It sounds like a good show. we got a long way to go, though. Sure, we could talk about uh, the Christ Desert Park experience with uh, 
uh, Barbara Beaver and her presentation at the uh, High Desert Savings and Loan. Yeah, we can talk about uh, Albert Co. Folks, we'll see you again. Uh, we'll look forward to having uh, Michael and Frank on the show sometime in the not-too-distant future. Until then, thanks for tuning in to the Victor Blight Radio Show, and we'll uh, talk to you again next time. Thank you very much, folks. Okay, one minute after she left, so a time displacement. Raymond, a time flies when we're doing our interviews here. We're going to have to stop again, folks, and uh, we'll get back to you next week on the Victor of Light Radio Show. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Don and Doug. Like Chris said, it's spell, and, of course, thank you, Raymond Keller, for these series of interviews. Check out the website, thepromiserevealed.com. Lots of new information coming out very soon. And we'll continue uh, next week uh, with Raymond Keller.